Hey, Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the miniatures gaming podcast. Yeah, so I think a lot of what we talk about is often nostalgia. Oh, we love nostalgia. It's like whenever anything comes up about like what was cool and everything else. And you yeah, go I back. I feel like it's huge and entirely in culture right now. Like everything is nostalgia now. It's too risky for big businesses not to do nostalgia when you can do nostalgia. Yeah, you, you got guaranteed sales coming from there. Yeah, but and just like what we talk about a lot. It's like, oh yeah, you saw that like way back in the 90s and everything else. Which oh, then I get a little little flutter in my heart thinking about how I was a child and I loved it back then. Mm-hmm. And then you, you go back and you're like, oh man, what was, what was wrong with me? <laughs> uh-huh. I was a child. <laughs> yeah. Which got me thinking, like we've been miniature gaming since we were kids, mm-hmm. but obviously our hobby tastes have changed and we talk about that a lot. Yep. But I, th- I think what we don't reflect on a lot was that like what you didn't really appreciate as a kid. Like we talk a lot about like, mm-hmm. oh, when I was a kid, this was super cool. And I had like this mm-hmm. in my collection of this and I had the super yeah. cool version of this mini, but you're, yeah. you don't, we don't really talk about the flip side of like what you didn't appreciate when you were a kid. Mm. And how, as we've gotten older, we kind of like, as you said, our tastes have changed and we kind of look back and say, oh, wow, that, you know what? I think as a child, I didn't really appreciate it, but now I do. Yeah, effectively. Yeah, I think this is this is what what happens when you become middle aged. Yes. <laughs> Ideally, you don't just, like revert. But um... yeah, or 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 give it to your hate or something. Or maybe as you grow older, you didn't appreciate how much uh, enjoyment you can get from hate. Who knows? I guess we'll find out soon. As our topic is um, things in the miniature gaming hobby that we did not appreciate as children. Mm-hmm. So all right. Oh, I'm just, I'm just wondering how shallow we start. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Kids are shallow. Like, okay. Not, okay. Like, you know, so there's this fun. one major thing that a lot of people, I think, you know, as you know, the people that were raised on Games Workshop games and didn't even play, uh, well, played a certain, you know, Games Workshop games when they're young. As they got older, um, there's this meme that says, as you get older, event- older, eventually you will start playing historicals. Now, yes. do you feel like this meme is has some truth to it? Will, will GW just start being considered historicals at some point because it's so old? <laughs> People just lose track of the difference between fantasy and, and uh, history? Maybe. I'm trying to think about the people we know. And I don't mm-hmm. think any of them have fallen into that. So I'm going to say... Really? Don't... You don't think so? No, from what I see, I don't think so. So, uh, you know that I have right across from me on my shelf, like some historical models. Yeah, but that's because you ran out of shit to buy. (laughs) But here's the thing. It's not that I like historicals more now than I like um, fantasy or science fiction. Mm -hmm. But like we're talking about, I have a, a much more appreciation of historical models than I did as a child. So this is exactly the kind of thing that we're talking about. And I think, Mm -hmm. yep. Maybe just having more of an appreciation for history as you get older, maybe just having the appreciation there, not just like 
the flash and the cool style and the cool bright colors of fantasy and like sci-fi yeah. like obviously on the surface those look really badass but mm-hmm. then i i guess once you just have more of an appreciation for reality you're like oh i should artistically express my appreciation for reality yeah and i think um what is it about the historical thing that I feel like is is more interesting? I guess it is kind of the connection to reality in some ways. Like when I was younger, it was all basically just different types of fiction to me. Because right? you don't really sorry. It's all costume. It was costumes of various forms. Yeah, exactly. All- and oftentimes the historical costumes were not nearly as fun and exciting as the and vibrant as the uh, fantasy and the science fiction ones, right? But as a child, like, you don't really, I don't think, at least for me, I didn't really appreciate the difference. To me, they were just different genres of, of worlds that I could explore, right? Some happened in the past, but they're just different worlds that I didn't really know or understand. As you grow up, you, you kind of, and I grew an appreciation for history and how that formed who we are today, it becomes distinct in, in terms of its feeling and look and the, uh, I don't know what you call it, the emotional attachment to it. Whereas everything was like, of course I knew history, you know, it's real history, right? But it was basically just as abstract as fantasy was, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't really understand history and how it pertains to my life today. Uh, and what that means. So uh, it's, you know, they're all fantasy to me, if you know what I mean. Like they're all basically just like fictional to me as a child, right? Until you start understanding the historical kind of context in there and you see and, and you differentiate, differentiate that truly. Um, and you don't get that, I don't think, if you don't understand the history and you don't understand the connection of the history to now, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's partially why I feel like World War II, like the more recent history is more um, more interesting to a lot of hobbyists than, you know, like ancient history. Spartans, then Napoleon, then whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like oftentimes, you know, they'll play like World War II games that are are. are basically fantasy like fictional versions right it's the real guys or whatever but you're fictionalized events right or um or fictionalized platoons or something like that but it it's uh i guess more attached like if you play bolt action you're not always going to play i don't know i don't know some some real historical uh event right um you're not always going to just go play d-day or something like that right every single time you play right um but when you look at i don't know ancient fantasy or you play although i think maybe saga is actually pretty pretty popular right now where you play fictionalized versions of let's say viking raids or something like that yeah i don't know i just feel like it's some sort of attachment that makes it more interesting right if you play it too far back right where it's where you don't actually have a a cultural or kind of emotional attachment to it it's not going to have that same kind of impact right that it really is just another fantasy kind of world right yeah i can see see that being a reason even though i find the older aesthetics than world war ii more interesting so 
Yeah, like if you play like ancients, like prehistory, where you're playing Babylonians, would you yeah, find that? Yeah, it's like ancients, Napoleonics, just visually they seem like you can do something more interesting on the tabletop. Oh, then World War II. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I don't know. That's Maybe the problem is I cannot even truly... I haven't really thought about it that much before, but for some reason, historicals, I don't know, just finds more, seems more interesting. And maybe again, it's just another genre, right? Well, as I've understood fantasy and science fiction so long, like historicals is another genre you can kind of look at and with a distinct look, right? Yeah. And a distinct, I don't know, dedication to um, historical battles and replaying them. That, that is a different way to play. Yeah, I guess, which brings us to like the whole aspect of like fluff and games, All right. which yeah. we're talking about sci-fi. Like they, sure. create, they have to create fluff in those games for you to kind of get interested in it. Yep. And I don't know, I think as kids, the appreciation of the fluff, at least like nuanced fluff was much, much lower. And it was more just about like the rule of cool in fluff. It's like, oh, how badass are these people? Like, what sort of badass things how do they do? How powerful are they? Oh, my God. They're Superman and they can beat everybody? That's mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, it doesn't matter what their sort of relation in society is. It doesn't matter, like, what events they were involved in. It's just like, oh, are they super badass? Like, anything they did in the context of, like, of the lore that made them badass, as kids, like, oh, that makes them cool. It didn't, yeah. it didn't matter anything with more depth. The, the, the emotional turmoil and the moral choices that they had to make at a sacrifice to themselves to overcome them. It seems like a lot less big deal than the, just the guy that's super powerful with the biggest yeah, gun. Exactly. Not, and, not that like the super biggest gun, most powerful guy isn't still cool, but <laughs> it seems less cool. I agree. The, the more nuance and it is something that I think we didn't look bad before, but did you find fluff in general really important? Um, no, I don't think I found the fluff. Oh, the superficial level of it was cool. Like, uh-huh. why, why does this person go around like killing things? To call things? <laughs> because he's so powerful and he has to show his domination to the world. They live in the jungle and they have to fight off all these jungle animals or they, they live in a high gravity world. So they become super buff. It's yeah. just like the... The most like obvious level of it is what you think is cool as a kid or that they want blood for the blood god there you go pretty cool blood is pretty cool mm-hmm. we'd be very wrinkly without it oh that, i guess that's water that's not necessarily true um we're not wet elves. okay we're not wet elves or whatever damp elves <laughs> whatever they are. Yeah, i think wet elves i think that's what what people call them um so when i was a young child i did write stories for my factions when we played games did you do that nope okay maybe i was a big like fluff nerd then as a child and i was like oh my my guys and i think that's you know i I think that's a a lot of people right but the, the weird thing is as i got older i stopped doing that as much and i got more into like the gamey aspects of the games right just making my guys more powerful and I kind of lost a, a bit of that interest in that fluff as I was growing up. But now as I'm I coming around, I guess this is not exactly I didn't appreciate it as a child, but there was a there's a period in between being like a 
you know, a brand spanking young child and being, I guess, like an annoying teen where I didn't care about the fluff that much. And just like you said about, oh, they're so powerful and things like that. And I think as an adult, I've kind of come around it and, and seen that as much more important than I thought it was, right? So I do mm-hmm. feel like, you know, just fluff in general and the story of the games has become so much more important to me as an adult. And I think a lot of that comes from um, not caring as much about winning and, right? And um, and basically appreciating just not winning. <laughs> appreciating mm-hmm. the game for the experience and the story it tells uh, more than just winning. And I think that that's probably something that I had all the way through, right? But like, I don't know, there was, this is something that I think a lot of people go through, right? And it, it basically comes down to like, what are you looking for in your game, right? Mm-hmm. And I think as a child growing up, I think we've talked about this before, um, how much, you know, you got, you don't have much going on, right? As a child. So how much do you attach, like how much worth and self-worth do you attach to winning a game? right? How important is, is it to you? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think as a child, you just kind of get wrapped up, right? The entire game is telling you that the most important thing is to win. Right. And you yeah, kind of get wrapped up into it. Game. Yeah. And you get wrapped up to it. And so that kind of becomes the sole focus. And it, I don't think, I think it, as adults, right. We kind of understand that's, you know, the, the winning is important to drive the narrative, even if you don't care about the actual winning, right? But mm-hmm. it's not, but the other portions, I think, add a lot more in terms of atmosphere and, and experience because, I don't know, there's a lot of different ways that you can get that that experience of winning, right? You could just Ooh. gamble. Like, there doesn't have to be any <laughs> just straight up gambles exactly. and you get the same yeah. dopamine hit of winning when you do it uh-huh. or losing um but you can't get that those other things that experience or are you it's a lot harder to get that experience of the storytelling and the in the and the uh, emergent feeling of or yeah the emergent storytelling and stuff like that from a miniatures game in other forms of media right yeah, because you're not as much a part of the story. Like in other media, you can recite what happened in the Marvel movie, but like mm-hmm. miniatures games, you're like, I built this army. They're my colors. I designed yeah. the roster. Like, mm-hmm. and with the involved. and with a good game, when you're rolling dice, it's not just the dice. They're representative and they're telling a story, right? When you're when you're doing that, and I feel like, um that type of storytelling and games that are able to do that type of storytelling and have epic moments are so much more important to me now than they were as a child. Right. Do you remember there was a time where like just winning and uh, just having a really tight game that can like prove who was the best was important in gameplay. Like, like, the thing that you think of as a child is, oh, I want the best person to win, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we had this talk before, actually, a similar kind of thing. But like, 
as an adult, that almost doesn't matter to me, right? It becomes kind of obvious in general who the best is at generalship, right? The more you play and who the best is at technically winning the game, right? If you play but enough, I, yeah. if you don't yeah, play enough, but you don't know. How much does that even matter? Like, how much do you gain by saying, I am the best at this game? I don't know. I, I just gain so, so much less, right? And yet the thing about telling the story and having that kind of feeling is like so much of a, a, a more important uh, thing that not only I experience, like if I win, like I, I will always experience that whether I win or I lose, right? Well, if you focus so, too much on winning, you'll just focus on the technical That is aspect. true. That is true. So, so I think continuing the topic of just winning, that when we were younger in terms of like units within the game that we had more appreciation for, at least I had more appreciation for, yep. I'm just like, oh, what unit wins? I just need that. I don't give a crap of a pull rest this thing. Who cares about the aesthetic of the overall army? It's just like, the more of the win button I can get to push, just yeah. put more of that on the table. So yeah. as far as units went, like visually, I didn't care about the units nearly as much. Like I'd modify them to look cooler if they didn't look cool, but it wasn't like a defining, the aesthetic of the army wasn't a defining factor in how I wanted to play the game. So just like as a continuation of that, the winning thing, it went right down to the level of the troops that yeah. now in war games, I'll just play things that look cool and they might yeah. suck. I'll just have to balance it out with some more winning things elsewhere in the army to be able to take the thing yeah. out of the school and play like play a balanced game. Yep. Yeah. The idea of I guess I guess we should do like thing, things we appreciated as children, we no longer appreciate as adults, I feel like is also a topic we could probably talk about next time. But like um I do feel like the importance of just having miniatures that you enjoy is so much higher right now than it was before. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I do look back and think, oh man, I can't believe I bought these models just so that I could, you know, like you said, win the game, right? Push the win button more. Yeah, push the win button more or have these kind of things. And like, now I'm just like, well, the huge portion of, of the game is just assembling cool looking minis, right? That I want to put on the yeah, table. Like and why did I buy like, 30 of these minis when they don't i never liked how they look looked and i just wanted to put them on the table to win like that just seems so anathema to me now at this point right yeah like once you've started playing bring your own minis games you're like oh i don't have to put up with this at all or you start yeah. playing more liberal proxy rules and it's just like oh yeah i'm not gonna buy that model i'm gonna buy something else and maybe convert it to look and, a little more like the thing and then i'll be mm -hmm. happy with that and then when you have to face armies that are not painted because the person just bought those minis because they wanted to win and they have no desire to paint them because they don't care about how they look, mm -hmm. uh, that is super painful. Yeah. And I guess that's another thing I think as, a, as an adult, I, I started caring more and more about, right? And this goes again to like the entire like, feeling and spectacle of the game right is the fully painted armies something that i really appreciate now right just the visual aesthetic right of course you cared about it as a child right you wanted to paint it you wanted to look cool right but 
how much I didn't really understand because I probably never really thought about it, how much joy I get from the fact that everything is fully painted and it's basically that you're playing a diorama, right? Mm -hmm. And I never really thought about it in those terms until much later on in my life. And then I started having to play everything painted. And the idea of playing something that's unpainted is just like, uh, I just like, why, why do it? Why do it? You get so much joy of just seeing everything beautifully, like playing a beautifully painted diorama. Do I really need to sully it to get... <laughs> now, the more I'm talking about these topics, I'm like, oh, the more... Maybe I should be more relaxed about, <laughs> as an adult, to be, uh, um, about enjoying everything. But I feel like, you know, as an adult, because I enjoy uh, the visual aspect so much, mm-hmm. I don't even really need to enjoy these other portions and i feel like they'll, they'll yeah, you, come yeah you could appreciate drinking jack daniels and just like stop you don't have to appreciate just drinking yeah. good scotch like you could just lower your that is true uh-huh. maybe, yeah, that's or why not. i'm thinking like oh maybe maybe now that we're talking about it i'm like oh man maybe i do have a problem now the other way around where i'm like why would i even appreciate just putting models onto the table just to see how they play if they're not painted and they don't look beautiful, but I'm like, you know what? You can, you can enjoy both. Mm-hmm. I feel it's like this much. is now therapy for me to be, <laughs> to go easier on people that uh, do not fully paint their armies. Oh, I'm harder than that. I'm just like, uh, <laughs> you, you rushed that project. I see. I see. Oh, it's fully painted, but I know that you can paint better than that. <laughs> what, what is up with this? Oh, you're, you're, you're making it look like I'm more supportive. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to up your game. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, but training. I won. No. You got to train more. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. This is something that um, I, I understand. Like, you know, as a young person, you just want to put it on the table because you want to say, oh, you know, you just assembled it. It looks so cool. You want to put it on the table. Um to experience you know the game side and everything like that of playing this thing but nowadays i just feel like you do end up losing some of that um fully painted kind of diorama look when you're putting in those unpainted models and i guess now as an adult i i kind of appreciate that like you know this is now a permanent hobby probably for the rest of my life maybe uh, so at least in, for the foreseeable future. So if I don't, if I have a miniature that's un, un uh, painted, I can wait till next week or next month or, or next three months when it is painted to put it on the table. Like there is no rush. Right. Mm-hmm. And just why not just keep that visual aspect of, you know, the stuff that I have. And then as I paint them, you know, I can put them on the table. Like there is no, this is a hobby, right? And I guess that is another thing that I didn't appreciate before, right? Like as a child, you don't really think about things as your hobby and you don't like partition your life and like, what's your hobby? What's your work? What are the things that you get self-worth from, right? Now, as we're older, right, we have less time in some ways, but we also have more time to decide where we allocate our, what time we have left, right? And so um, as a hobby, I just appreciate I appreciate the, I don't know what you call it, therapeutic aspects of miniature gaming, not just the visceral kind of feeling when I'm doing it, 
but like all of the different ways that it enriches my life as as a hobby right to help release stress to to help you know balance out other things i do let's say work or productive things or or and uh and you know take care of yourself and that kind of stuff and making sure everything is clean just having this hobby portion to be able to like experience uh a creativity that i don't necessarily do in other portions of my life uh and do it in a way that is so stress relieving i think i really appreciate now a lot more than i used to i didn't even really think about i should do a hobby that releases stress right yeah well i think the other thing i wrote down about just being a kid is you don't you don't appreciate that there's multiple things vying for your time like oh do i have to go to work you have to go to school when you go home from school it's pretty much your yeah. time That's you're not so your worried about... get mad at you if you don't go to school yeah <laughs> you wouldn't you might do your hobby instead <laughs> i don't know maybe that's bad maybe it's good yeah. but like just the overall you don't appreciate that you can't just hobby all the time because you have to you know look after shit like feeding yourself or making sure things don't descend into madness yeah so that that appreciation was never there for how much time you could just throw it throw it hobbies oh, as a kid yeah like between, i do yeah you just have more time mm -hmm. and well as long as i ignore my work i have lots of time <laughs> let's not do yeah. that yeah some people do say like now you know you get to work at home like before, if you took a break, you you just go, I don't know, take a smoke break or go get a coffee or just like go to the water cooler. Now, if you have a break at work, you can just spend like five or 10 minutes or whatever, half an hour during lunch or something like that, painting some minis. Well, that doesn't compare like the five I don't, hours. I don't paint day. actually. I, I sometimes I do take a break and like during lunch and stuff and, and do work on some minis. So usually assembling stuff like that because it's easier to do like a, a much shorter period of time, right? You can do five minutes of like cleaning up the flash of your model, whereas you can't do five minutes of painting because it like your paint's dry and stuff like that and it feels you've got to go it's not necessarily it. as worth it and stuff. You gotta remember where you left off. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you actually do uh oh no, you don't work from home, right? You go to the office. When I was working from home, there was a large lull in work. So I would just uh -huh. full paint anyway okay that's how i got a lot of stuff done last year <laughs> a lot anyhow yeah all right um the other things that i wanted to talk about uh, somewhat is um i think as an adult uh the community aspect of miniature gaming is something that i never really thought about it as a, as a child and it's possibly because as when we we're younger we literally only played with our small friend group right like basically our schoolmates who also played miniatures we never went to the larger at least i didn't uh the larger kind of uh grouping of uh game players mm -hmm. uh, of miniatures to like get out of our you know like i said classmates and stuff like that right and immediately friends and family um but as an adult i really kind of appreciate the community aspect of miniatures as like kind of a third space and i was actually surprised at how enjoyable it was to have a third space outside of you know just the people you've already bumped into either at work or uh through school or things like that right yeah it's like 
the same thing you appreciate for any community really it's like oh okay there's you're not just showing the same things over and over or you can or you can share the same thing like you've already shared with your friends but if you're really enthusiastic about it you now have the opportunity to share with more people yes and you can meet other people who are basically strangers who might appreciate those those kind of things right so and of course this is not just for the uh miniature gaming hobby right but i think this is partially why i feel a miniature gaming hobby is uh in many ways more rewarding than just the miniature painting hobby because of that extra large community that you're intrinsically linked into because you have to play games right well i thought you were gonna say gonna say superior to video games because video oh, games still too. i kind of really Actually, I, I have been playing a lot more video games because of uh, quarantine and because I couldn't experience the community aspect, right? Yeah, you've gone back to being more like a kid because you have less, <laughs> less mobility. You have less, less, yeah, ability to hang out with friends and other people, yeah. Mm -hmm. Terrible. We've all, we've all rolled backwards into being childlike. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just consider this these two years like a gap year. So two gap years. Um, yeah, so I don't know. The community portion kind of, I guess it, it's also a thing where like as a child, you have school where you're always forced to bump into people, right? Mm -hmm. New people and things like that. And you kind of can make extra connections in that way as a child. But as, as an adult, being able to meet new people and expand your kind of, of group uh, takes work, right? Otherwise, you'll, you won't meet new people, you'll just be stuck in whatever kind of group you are, right? And, except for your coworkers, right? But like, what happens if you don't like your coworkers? Yeah, you don't, you don't I actually do like my coworkers, but like, still, what happens if you stay in the same job? How often, and, and your job and your, your company is decent so that they don't have high turnover, how many more people are you going to meet, right? And they don't just fail, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yay, my com the company I worked at failed. I get to meet new people in a new job. Yeah, it seems terrible. So, you know, the community aspect of that, like, when I look back at the number of friends that I made through this kind of hobby, uh, and, and, and not just that for the hobby, just the number of friends I've made in the past, like, I don't know, 10 years from when we started, you know, going to this community aspect. Um, I think the majority of them are from this gaming, right? Yeah. Which is kind of surprising when I, when I think about it. Like, if I didn't have this, I would have made half the number probably or even less friend of friends and and acquaintances mm -hmm. without this hobby although maybe if i didn't do this hobby i would have a different hobby like going to knitting yeah, groups or something like that it's a comment on hobbies in general yeah and just finding people who share your interests which yeah but there's different types of hobbies like what happens if i was an idiot and i decided to pick up i just replaced all of this kind of thing with video games I'd probably have less friends just in general, including the people that I met outside of the hobby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I picked up video games solely as a way to do it, I'm just obviously exaggerating. You can still pick up friends from that, right? It's just so much harder, yeah, you know, because like video games and like online video games are so toxic. And do I really want to make like, 
make a whole bunch of 12 year old friends. Like it's just so hard. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't want to teach them things, you know, that's no good for them. So I think the last thing we've been going on this for a little while, it's worth mentioning is something I think that falls into like any sort of like artistic hobby. Mm -hmm. And that's basically just like supporting the things you like as a kid, like again, all the other topics we've gone over, you don't have much of an ability to like decide where your support goes because you really can't support things. You're just sort of you have no money. You have no money. You have no mobility. You just kind of find yourself wherever you find yourself for the most part. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, you realize, oh, like I have some sort of like moral obligation or just societal obligation to support the things I like. This is like I a pirating know. kind of aspect, that kind of thing. Yeah, basically, as a kid, I pirated a shitload of stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, as an adult, you're like, oh, okay. I guess if I want this thing to be around. Maybe other people will support it, but, you know, it's partially up to me to do this. It is an interesting hobby in that kind of aspect in that a lot of the things that people consume are so, and and I think this is happening more in the future and it it will be happening more in the future. And it happens a lot outside of the GW space that the companies that create the things that we consume are very small, right? Mm -hmm. And and they're like, you know, often other hobbyists and things like that, right? Especially as we go into the future and we have like uh, 3D printing and small co- companies and things like that and small rule sets and things like that. It's a very down to the ground kind of hobby, right? It's not like if you consume pop music, right? As your hobby, which is like a great hobby. We have a friend that loves that kind of stuff, but Actually, no, technically you can support independent artists as well, as well right? <laughs> so well, there's like, yeah. Well, like at a certain scale, what you're involved in yeah. supporting difference. Once it gets big enough, there's always going to be top 40 on the radio, whatever. Yeah, that's true. And again, if you just stay in the GW portion of the realm, you won't feel like you are able to support the things that you love, right? Directly, right? You're just buying into something that would live on without you, regardless of what you do. Whereas now, because we live in a, we consume a space that is like very independent, right? With these small companies, we can directly create or directly impact, like make real percentage numbers about um, making, uh, encouraging people to create the things that we love, right? Yep. And I guess it is the same thing. I don't know what, like with music, right? If you support independent music, it's so, there's so much more, reward in doing that even if the music is not necessarily even as good because you're making a direct impact but of course you know i think we there, there was a, a period of time especially before um you know the the great gap year uh that uh we did go out and listen to a lot of independent music right yeah and unfortunately and I think it's, it's, not that many people do it but yeah and it's very very rewarding i think just mm-hmm. Just that kind of, I don't know, like you said, right? Supporting people in that much more directly, right? And putting your money where your 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 mouth is, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, that the companies actually notice that people are supporting them versus just being large and being like, no, we, we direct things, you follow, that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so... If you are into Games Workshop games and uh, that's all you play, 
Mm-hmm. You should definitely venture out. There's a lot of really, really good stuff. Like, like the same thing with music, I think. Like, it's not even necessarily that they're worse, worse off, right? Maybe they're not necessarily as polished, but there's a lot of, like, things that you won't be able to get from because they, the independent stuff can cater to a much, much smaller market if they can find their niche, right? Yeah, like, they won't have the same art resources to make, like, full-page art spreads. They won't have mm-hmm. the same range of sculpts. So it's, it's what but it they is. They might have equally skilled or even possibly more skilled things that are just more esoteric right it's the kind of thing like with miniature painting when you look at a lot of the the larger scale stuff the you know the 72 mil, 72 72 56 75 yeah. 75 sorry 75 and 54 uh, millimeter stuff um a lot of them are really nice sculpts right but they can only attract a much smaller portion because there's a much smaller portion of people that would want to buy it, right? You To buy something like that's a 75 millimeter thing, you need to be into the painting side of the hobby, really into the painting side of the hobby. And also the idea of painting something just for display, which is a much smaller portion of the hobby, but it often has some of the most dedicated, most, most talented people in terms of painting and and. and and sculpting things like that that want to do that right because they're no longer just like they're totally focused on making these things look cool and be able to be uh display pieces yeah but even with like rule sets like for smaller people who are putting stuff out like when infinity puts something out for like a book or something like that i'm like oh do i really need this book do i not i was like ah it's i think it's a decent effort i'll support it i'll purchase it maybe i don't even read that much of it Maybe if they put out like an RPG book that I'm not going to use either, but like, I think it helps like the game space overall. Like I'll buy one of their RPG books, read a little bit of it, or just even for just like content producers online. Like, oh, I came up with this, like this product or this game. I'll like, okay, I'll buy it on Amazon in electronic form. And then I won't even download it. I'm like, whatever. (laughs) I supported you. I don't care. Interesting. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is I, as an adult, I really appreciate the power of capitalism and the idea of like voting with your dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I guess the power of like, you know, supporting people and, and, and socialist more ide- my ideas of like, you know, supporting the community and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess when you have money, you are able to <laughs> uh, know, think about those things more. But even, let's say you you didn't have money, would you still, I guess you'd still think about them as an adult. You just unfortunately not be able to benefit people as much. If yeah, you, you money click the like button on their page, but that's about as far as you can, you can go. Yep. Are there specific... Uh, I guess you mentioned infinity. Are there other things specifically that you want to call out right now? What the, when you were thinking des- about that? That deserves support. Yeah. Hmm. Besides, like, yep. I like Joe McCullough for like buying, like we like his Frostgrave game, but obviously there's only so much to sell in Frostgrave. But for him to keep like the one game we like. Maybe you like support some of the other stuff he's involved in, but don't really play it very much. You just sort of yeah. 
We take a look at I it. I bought a lot of his games. I think I have the main rule book of every one of his games. But I think that's because Frostgrave is my favorite game. So I'm like, yep. oh, maybe his other stuff is good. But at the same time, I have so many rule books. Uh, I, there's no way I can play all these games. Yeah, there's also like sculptors you may like that now that companies are featuring who the sculptor is more prominently. We keep talking about the Spanish sculptor, Javier Urena. Mm-hmm. I think I'm probably not pronouncing that right because we're not Spanish. But just like stuff that he puts out for various games or even within Infinity, I'm like, I'll just buy that. I really like the look of it. Maybe I'll do something with it, but just... Or maybe I'll just keep it in my closet, but I want to support this guy. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe I should do that too. I do feel like the idea of supporting people on, on Patreons and stuff like that is something that I would never have done as a child because, you know, you're tied on money and you never never really think about that kind of supporting. But yeah, it, it depends on what the type of content they put out is. If they put like things that are for sale or they work with other companies and put things out for sale, yeah, mm-hmm. like try and support their main business model. But if the business model is just like a curator Patreon. or something yeah. like that, mm-hmm. Then I guess the Patreon. Or, or you know, there's a lot of Patreons now with uh, 3D sculptors mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that by having Patreon people like who, who give them money every month, they're mm-hmm. able to do full time, just work on the things that they enjoy, which is, you know, very cool. And to me, this is kind of uh, the way I would like the entire hobby to go more towards, right? I feel like, yeah, if there were sculptors like at the guy we mentioned previously, is quality, uh-huh. and I had more access to like 3D resin printing, I might be like, oh, yeah, I'll just, yeah, if they only put out a few hits a year. I'm still cool with that. Yeah, and maybe even supporting them, even if I don't necessarily print them. <laughs> I, I do think about that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't print out everything, right? Just, you know, just supporting them, right? Like we, we talk about, you know, create content creators like um, uh, Ash, Ash Barker, right? Um, mm-hmm just supporting his uh you know he has a patreon right and you know uh i guess i'm not you know i did try to support him for a while right just just to to when i was consuming that the idea of like the the help that he did for the community was uh i think a big deal uh mm-hmm. and so you know when you know i had the cash to help support that kind of you know content creation and, and i think that is something that i do care about a lot more right and the idea also I, I this is probably just a general political thing like the idea of letting the large companies who are just the best at marketing directly where you don't necessarily get direct support like like games workshop dominate the space even though a lot of the games that they're producing now i guess are technically better than they were like they've been better than they've almost ever been except for maybe their mm-hmm. heyday they're they've been, they're better than they've been for like 20 years let's say Maybe 20 yep. years is a long time for 15 years. Um, the idea of have, letting them just dominate the space is uh, you realize terrible it's in bad. my mind. Yeah, it's terrible I mean, for the hobby as a whole, right? And you lose out all these things hobby. that you would love. So, yeah. So, I do, I think that definitely does like encourage and, and direct the way that I want to purchase. And the biggest reason why that's important is because GW does heroic scale, not uh, true scale. So mm-hmm. the idea of them dominating and making everything heroic scale would make me want to kill myself. Yeah. All right. We've asked GW. I think we're complete. <laughs> 
All right. So this, uh, you know, a lot of things that we um, kind of, you know, it appreciate now that we didn't necessarily even think about as children, right? Um, I'm sure there's a lot more that we didn't go through, even on this list of stuff that I have. Like yeah, a few more fast minimal ones. rule sets and things like that. But uh, I think we hit the, you know, a lot of the major stuff, right? Um, and I don't know, this conversation has made me kind of appreciate these things even more than I, than I did before we talked about it. And it also made me reflect on maybe I should appreciate some of the things that I liked as a child more too, <laughs> and not be that maybe as negative as, as, uh, as I have been, right. Maybe I, I should work, make sure that I don't become too much of a grumpy old man in this mm-hmm. hockey space. So yeah, uh, that is our topic about um, things that we appreciate, uh, that we appreciate more as an adult than as a child. Um, if you have any thoughts about this, uh, you can uh, give us a shout. Uh, contact at diceovereverything.com is where you can email us. and Or you can find us on Facebook where Dice Over Everything. Or if you want to comment or let us know what you're up to, you can join Dice Over Everything group. All right. This has been Alan. It's been Brandon. Bye.